introduce regular product giveaways happening here on the Jeep Talk Show every month and sometimes every week. The world's most downloaded Jeep podcast will be giving you, the listener, a chance to win serious gear from major companies that you know, love, and trust. You want a chance to win tires, suspension components, maybe more? Listen every week for your chance to win big. Hey, Nixon Tire USA, we got you. Found out more about Nixon Tires that are on the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, the Nixon Tire Rodian MTX at NixonTireUSA.com. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and I spent some time on the lake this past weekend and realized why I miss the lake life so much from when I was a kid. The boater community is so much like the Jeep community, and they even have a boat wave, just like the Jeep wave. So, Tammy, was this in Maryland or Colorado? Because I I figure you were disposing of a body in one of those two places. No, I'm still in Minnesota. (laughs) I thought it was all all ice. I thought it was all ice and mosquitoes there. What the hell? No, it's it's melted and (laughs) the mosquitoes haven't come out yet. Hi, I'm Tony, and I'm excited this week not only to have Paul and Carrie of Discover 4x4 Adventures, but also to attend the second annual Jeep Talk Show Off-Road Event, Texas. This coming Friday, co-host Josh and I will be there, and you can be too. It's not too late. Uh, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and scroll down the page and click to get more information on the event. We'd love to see you there. Hey, are you new to the roundtable, perhaps new to the Jeep Talk Show? Well, welcome. The roundtable is listeners like you that connect with us on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. You don't have to be invited. You just need a Zoom meeting link and a password. Password's always cheap, by the way. Uh, Everyone is invited because everyone has an opinion or something to share. To get the meeting invite information, subscribe to our newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You know, you're going to find out everything for pretty much anything we do at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Paul and Carrie Porter have spent the last 16 years immersed in hashtag Jeep life. They've owned well over 100 Jeeps and have spent many years wrenching together. Paul is the president of Glass City Crawlers, and Carrie is a three-time participant of the Rebel Rally, and together they host Ladies Garage Day. Their most recent endeavor is Discover 4x4 Adventures. You can find out more about Discover by going to their website at discover4x4adventures.com. All right, Carrie, you know how this uh, how this works. I thank you for joining us tonight, and we start talking about all the fun stuff that you guys are doing. Can you give us a, a quick Reader's Digest version or synopsis of uh, what you guys do at o- do over there at Discover 4x4 Adventures? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we like to host uh, weekend-long adventures uh, throughout the state of Michigan and um, surrounding states, and we also host 101 training and advanced training classes. Very cool. So you're in the state that I always say Tammy's in because I get the two M states mixed up. Yes. We're, we're kind of close, but there's a state in between us. <laughs> so close, but so far away. Yeah, exactly. 
So, and, and this is for anybody. This isn't uh, like a, like a, something that is just for women. It, it's for uh, couples, uh, males, females. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's for anybody that wants to uh, hit the trails or learn more about their off-road vehicle and how to use it. So, what kind of stuff do you uh, do? You teach there? Do you actually uh, uh, teach like recoveries and things, or is it just wheeling? Or I say just that's that that's a lot. Yes, this is Paul, the other part of this uh, group. Um, we teach, yeah, basic recovery, basic gear, uh, communication out on the trails. That's all in our one-on-one class, and then uh, we do a lot of in our advanced class. We do winching techniques and a lot of tire repair stuff, um, just because that's the most common problem we see out on the trails. Very cool. Now, I would assume that you guys uh, use the, the, the trail, I'm sorry, trail, the tire patch kits with those little, the, the all the little rubber plugs and the the glue and how to clean the hole. Absolutely. And, yeah. So, do you show them how to uh, do trail repairs on just how to get up, get the, the vehicle off uh, off the trail if you have sidewall damage? Yeah. I mean, we show them you can still use a plug, but it's always not, you know, the best thing. It's just to get you off the trail and maybe back to your garage, but it's not, you know, you're not wanting to run around town like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Cause it, it might surprise you in, in the worst time, uh, probably in a corner doing 70. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that wouldn't be good. No, not at all. What kind of trails are in Michigan? Like what, I mean, I always know of the sand dunes, but there's more out there, right? Right, yeah. So Michigan actually has over 3,000 miles of two trucks across the state. Um, not all of those are accessible to four-wheel drive vehicles. Um, some of those are for quads and dirt bikes and side-by-sides. But um, yeah, 3,000 miles of two tracks. And then we also have um, quite a few private parks throughout the state. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Oh, and you guys uh, teach uh, proper vehicle spotting as well, don't you? We do. We do. Yeah, that's Usually our 101, we end our class with spotting, just teaching some communication basics. And then in our advanced, we try to make everybody get out and actually put those things to work. And, you know, our our advanced class, our goal is that when they finish, that uh, they're able to walk away kind of a leader on the trail, you know, just uh, they're able to kind of help out when help is needed and step forward and be that leader. And it's such a good idea for people just, out on the trails normally just to get out of the vehicle and watch the other vehicles because it's such a different view and you can grasp what you're doing inside the vehicle by watching what's happening outside. But it's hot, Tammy. I don't want to get outside the air conditioning. It's not It's not hot in Michigan <laughs> not and in Minnesota. Michigan. I right, know. It's beautiful right. here. Yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> so yeah, I tell you what, the, the spotting side of things... Um, you definitely learn a lot about the way a vehicle functions. And I always tell people, you know, really as the spotter, you have full control of that vehicle. You know, the driver's just doing what you tell them. So really the spotter is the one that deserves the pat on the back. If you're lucky, they're doing what you tell them to do. They're good listeners. I know more than you. It's just like, just like that show where he walks into uh, Home Depot and says, "I know more than you. You can't help me." I'm sure you. Have, I'm sure you run across that. How do you handle somebody that that uh, paid for the class? They're there to learn, but they won't listen. That's only happened actually one time, and I just we ended up. I pulled the guy to the side. I said, "Look, if you don't want to spot her through some of these obstacles, it's not a problem. Just say so, you know. But you know, you paid to be here. But 
generally people, you know, they're wanting to be a sponge. They really want to soak up the information. When you said it's only happened one time, I figured Carrie was spotting you. That was the one time that it happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not talking about that. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. Well, technically I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so vehicle basics, what, what would you, what would you teach somebody in vehicle basics? It's kind of an overview because uh, we, we don't want to take up the, the whole show explaining that, but I'm just kind of curious what vehicle basics would be. Uh, vehicle basics. I just, I'm a mechanic. I have my garage here as well. So I try to teach people, you know, what components are what by name. Um, I think it's important to kind of know where they're located in the vehicle too. Um, and I tell people in our class, it's important to know that because if you hear a noise, you might be able to say, well, Hey, that kind of sounds like it's coming from where the transfer case would be. So maybe I have a transfer case problem or, you know, something along those lines or even just to kind of have a basic understanding of what each component does. So that way when, you know, some know-it-all tells you, hey, you need to get different control arms. You can know why he's saying that and, um, and if it actually makes sense to and, and some and sometimes And sometimes why he's wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. So having a little bit of knowledge there, you know, I think uh, a lot of people, you know, growing up, they don't really teach a lot of those basics anymore. So I think it's important to give a basis, you know, even checking fluids and things like that. You know, it's really, really important with, if you're going to be regularly off-roading to understand your vehicle a little bit just because, you know, they take some abuse and even just the basics of checking fluids, you need to be able to do that on your own. Absolutely. And also, too, uh, I, and I'm just guessing on this, uh, as a mechanic, you would know better. The, the the Jeep itself really hasn't changed substantially with the transfer case and control arms and solid front axle from, uh, gosh, w- way back to the YJ, maybe even the CJ. So the information uh, that you're giving them can be used on uh, a pretty much any model of uh of Jeep, the ones at least with the the ones that we consider Jeeps, the ones with the, the solid front axles. Exactly, yeah. With the whole solid axle configuration, nothing's really changed too drastically. Obviously, getting into some new computer stuff going on now with some fancy traction control buttons and things like that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the difference between window blinds and computer controlled window blinds. They still work the same. You <laughs> just it's just a different way of getting to it. All right, Tammy, if you don't have any more questions, we'll, we can open this up to the uh, the Zoom people. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hog up their time. Harry, Paul, brace yourself. I mean, I'm sorry, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. I think so. All right, Zoom people, you're on. We're talking to uh, Carrie and Paul Porter. You've been listening in. Uh, do you have any questions for uh, Carrie or Paul at uh, discover4x4adventures.com? Hey, this is uh, John, Central Texas. So um, I'm assuming y'all do a lot of uh, out better adventures or whatever for newbies and stuff um you know we've got that event coming up this weekend and we're sure to probably have some some brand new uh, beginners probably out there as well so what, what's the best way that you found to kind of break that ice and start that you know either start the conversation or start to try to help give them confidence how do you how do you normally approach that a good question i guess i'll take this question for me i just like to ask people what they drive and that for me that starts a conversation that's always my starter you know, comment of what do you drive, you know, and even a basic person is going to know a few basic things about options they've chosen and why they pick that vehicle. And, you know, that can start a conversation and, you know, to not be in, not be telling them what to do, but Hey, have you ever thought of this or thought of that? Or, you know, have you invested in any recovery gear? And these are some of the things I've found helpful, you know, that, that those kind of conversations, but uh, I did sales years ago and they used to always tell us, let people talk about their favorite subject, which is themselves. So that's where we start at, you know, or their Jeeps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the, the extension of themselves. Of yeah, there you go. Right. Exactly. True, true. Never had anybody like that. Uh, 
I think I think it's pretty pretty close. Uh, just basically get them uh, get them talking about something they're comfortable with, and uh, and yeah. see where you can expand on it. So, have you ever had a situation where like just had a someone freeze out there, like you're trying to walk them through the obstacle, and just it they just it was a no go, and you had to either help them by jumping in the seat or or anything like that. Yeah, I'll let Carrie talk about this one. Um, yeah, so I I posted women's um weekend events where only just women come, no men, absolutely no men at all. And quite often we do have someone that ends up freezing in their seat or breaking down in tears or um, having maybe a little bit of a panic attack uh, because it's all very new to them. And um, I just tell people, hey, we're just going to wait this out until you're ready. Um, but no one's hopping in your driver's seat. You know, I'll be more than happy to hop in your passenger seat and walk you through everything, but you've got this, you can do it. Um, this is going to be all you, and you're going to be ecstatic when you're done. And you know what, I've, that happened um, at Women's Wheel and Day at Roush Creek one time. And if what Carrie just said, if you just sit there and be patient with them and walk them through and they'll do it. And afterwards, like years later, these women, this one particular woman, she still remembers me helping her through that trail and how she loves this Jeep life now. So I think patience yep. is a huge thing. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think it's a confidence builder for people too. If you just let them, I think, you know, they're mostly intimidated by the, by the unknown or their lack of confidence. And then if you just let them work themselves through it, it really is a confidence builder for them. Well, that's the exciting totally. part too, is the unknown. I mean, that's, I, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why they're out there. It's, uh, it's like going to a, um, a carnival where they have rides and, and, and the rides usually scare you or, or they take you out of your, your normal situation. And that's very much off road being off camber and driving up right. and down things. So, uh, I, 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 I would think this reminding them that it, you're, you're having fun and uh, I'm sure you can't say you're not going to damage your Jeep because you never can't control what they may do. But you, right. can, you can say that uh, that the, you're very unlikely to have any major damage to your Jeep or or even deaths. I think I may have asked you guys in the, uh, the interview that we did uh, how many how many people have died out there on, under your tutelage. Which I was uh, after asking that I was like, oh God, I hope the answer is none. Right. <laughs> I think this would be this would be way. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing for for newbies, beginners, or whatever. You, when you think of off-roading, you think of those big, huge, lifted, you know, Jeeps and rock crawlers. Yeah. And, you know, a stock Jeep is so capable. Absolutely, yeah. yeah absolutely. Even, I tell uh, people to just, you know, to take, before they start buying a bunch of parts that they're not even sure that they want, to just take the time to get to learn their vehicle and to drive their vehicle and to learn what kind of terrain they like. And then, exactly. you know, go forward from there. The, the main reason why I brought the question up, just to be be perfectly telling myself honest here right I've, I've been out the most recent time I went out to the park i got into a little off-camber situation and uh it, it wasn't that bad from the outside when you watch the video afterwards because it never is i came very close to freezing myself i was i was kind of free i had my daughter in the passenger seat and, you know just inching forward and and i mine's decently built i wouldn't say it's like a huge rock crawl or anything but it was still scary so i can only imagine you know someone just starting out going going on something like that because i was always interested in the outfitters option is to kind of have that security blanket with you when you're out on the trails of someone that knows what they're doing and can kind of help guide you through it so i think it's pretty cool 
and, and just yeah, window. And just to scare the hell out of everybody, uh, John's going to be leading on at least one of the, the trail runs <laughs> at, yeah, the, at yeah. the event this this coming weekend. So, uh, John, oh, and John, right, John and, time to put your game face on. No deer in headlight look. <laughs> uh, and I, could, the, main, the main point I was making there is it could happen to anybody at oh, any yeah. point out there. And we were talking about kind of that cascading. Like you do one thing and it scares you, and then. The rest of the trail, you just just kind of built on itself. You survived, and then you go, "Oh, I'm I'm pretty badass. I can do this." And John, tell us how scared your daughter was. Your twelve year old oh, daughter. She, yeah, she was mocking me. She was she was telling me like, "Come on, this is nothing." Like, she was <laughs> berating me for being a chicken or something. So it was. Uh, That's great, John. Just next time to get you through it, just keep yelling. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I just. Watch she's, Bill she's not the one making those car payments either, right? Oh, that's sorry. It's so very true. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think John has more in uh, upgrades than uh, the vehicle's worth now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been it's an older one. It's been paid off for a while, but still, the okay. point made. <laughs> yeah, it happens to the best of us, I think, though. Mm-hmm. So, I think, uh, you know, you talked about the outfitters being out there, and that's we do tell people sometimes they come to our class, and now nah, I'll pass on that part. You know, we might hear from people, and that's we always tell them, this is your chance to do it. You're in a controlled environment. Now is the time, you know? Oh, absolutely. So, how about that muscle memory and just learning those feelings? You know, we run them through scenarios. So that way you can get that feeling and that butterfly's out, you know, and you're kind of build to the next thing next time, you know? So, kind of dovetailing off of John's original question, if, if you're going, if they're going to be out on the trail for their first time, and you don't, and actually you don't know because they haven't told you. I mean, you know, you can like open them up and have them talk about themselves and hopefully they'll tell you, but do you need to know if they've had any past experience whenever they come to the class? And that's important for, for our event this coming weekend as well. So part of our registration is a questionnaire that asks those kind of questions. What are you driving? How much experience do you have? Um, that makes sense. You know, do you have any concerns for the class? Yeah, I hate the I hate the idea of uh, waiting to see what kind of death grip they have on the steering wheel, and they're vigorously shaking their head. No, that would be <laughs> would be a bad right. time to find out. So that's why I was asking that. Yeah, starting into our one hundred and one side of classes, I thought for sure that when we started those, that, that people would be showing up having zero experience. And really, what we found asking you know what their experience level is, I would say that seventy five percent of the people that come to our class have been out two or three times and they basically have learned enough to know that they don't know enough to be out on their own or they don't feel confident. So that's why they end up taking our course, which is kind of neat to see. So I often uh, feel uh, overconfident uh, when I shouldn't. And uh, I took a one-on-one class because uh, it was, uh, it was a great, uh, uh, it was a past guest on the show. And I thought, you know, just because I go out and figure it out, doesn't mean I figured it out correctly. And here's my opportunity to yeah. go see how the, uh, quote unquote professionals think it's done and uh, it was great uh the there there was nothing in the one-on-one class that uh, that's uh concerned me i'm thinking i think off camber i know some people like off camber but i think off camber is probably the scariest thing because you're just normal uh sitting on flat surfaces and then whenever you start getting tilted over uh, especially uh, a lot of tilt you, you don't know where the where the jeep's going to roll and I would imagine that's one of the, the, the trickiest things to get people to feel c- comfortable in the uh, off-camber situations. We would, would definitely say that. W- one of the things, the first things we take them out and do is we do some hill climbing. 
And the first time they climb that hill, we make them do that in two-wheel drive, and the plan is to not make it up the hill. So they have to back down and feel that vehicle wanting to turn while they back up and kind of learn that control, that feeling. Because to me, that's one of the most uneasy feelings is trying to climb a hill that's really steep and not making it and having to back down. So that's why we put them through that scenario. Oh, I'm not going in your class. I'm not doing that. Forget it. Well, it was either <laughs> it was either two wheel drive, Tammy, or a blindfold. It was uh, yeah. your, oh. your choice. <laughs> the joke it's about a lot of crazy steep hill, and it's not really hot, really tall, but it's steep enough that you just can't climb it in two wheel drive. And it's the the gravel on it is pretty soft, so it's it's a good learning hill. Oh, it's definitely going up and down hills is. A great way to start, like you said, to get the feel of your Jeep. All right, Zoom vehicle. people, this is... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Zoom people, this is your episode for you to talk. So jump on in here and ask your questions. It doesn't have to just be John. This is, so this is Larry, this is Larry from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So I heard you, uh, you've done the Revell Rally? Yeah, that's correct. And I was just curious what that was, where, where you're the course was at when you did it and how was that navigating through the course and how did you do? Um, so I've, I've participated three years um, and we okay. started all three years up uh, near the Lake Tahoe area and we worked our way down through um, Nevada and California down to the Mexico-California border. Um, the first year I participated was with another girl who um, it was her first year as well. And I think we ended up in I think it was 18, um, 18th place out of almost 50 teams. I don't think there was quite 50 teams that year. Um, I was the navigator. And, and um, yeah, navigating was a little bit, it was actually very challenging. Um, navigating the Rebel is probably one of the hardest things I've done. Um, it's just like a, um, a mind game. You know, you're, you're, doing math and looking at maps literally 12 hours a day. Um, and you're not, you don't get electronics. You guys are doing it the old-fashioned way, right? Yeah, it's just totally map and compass, no electronics at all. So well, if, um, if you have one word of advice for everybody out navigating, if your Onyx or your uh, guy all goes out, what would be your best tip or trick to uh, everybody jump over to the the all city old school navigation well i have first they have the equipment with you um right if you don't have the equipment then you can't use it and then second learn how to use it um i'm reading a map um is different than doing the you know the electronic gps um but I don't. I don't know that they teach how to read a map as well anymore. No, I and, doubt it. So, yeah, I would. I would definitely say find somewhere that teaches basic navigational skills. If that's not something that you're brushed up on, maybe REI or um, some sort of outfitter in your area. Larry, we could drive you out to the middle of uh, the Arizona desert and give you a map and a compass, and then uh, you would uh, you would learn before you uh, before you <laughs> died, hopefully. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> it is be aware of, it, it is fairly easy to do. Steps. I'm sorry, Carrie. I was just going to say, be aware of your steps. Like you know where you last turned, and um, you know what direction you're heading. Just be be aware. Driving a proverbial circle. 
What's that? Keith from, go ahead. Keith from Wisconsin. I have a question. When you're out guiding someone through an obstacle and that person, you know, you can see the Jeep, you can see the differentials, you definitely have a better, clear view, but that person just will not listen. And it's not like you're yelling at them or anything, but you're trying to teach them. How have you overcome that? I think that. Uh, the advantage for us is that we have the both of us, and we've found that certain people maybe are more compatible with my personality or hers, and I think that that can be very helpful. Um, if we're out with a big group and it's uh, people have become comfortable with each other, I mean, I will ask, you know, are you more comfortable with somebody else spotting potentially? You know, sometimes it just comes down to a personality thing as to who they're comfortable with, and that's something we also teach in our class that as the driver you have full ability or full uh, control to basically pick who you want to spot for you, you know, and don't be afraid that you're going through an obstacle and say, hey, I want Carrie to spot for me or whoever it might be. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but I, I think a lot of times it just comes down to a personality thing and sometimes certain personalities gel better with others, you know? Yeah, no, that did for the most part, but um, I was actually referencing, uh, I was staying behind the guy that was spotting for another person and the person in the vehicle just would not listen to him and i tapped him on the shoulder i said you mind if i give it a try and the spotter <laughs> got a little upset so i just said you know what i'm overstepping my bounds i'll back off and i walked away yeah and eventually the guy made it through but it wasn't pretty yeah sounds like that spotter probably should have let his pride down you know or, and let you get, give a chance if it wasn't working for him you know in that case. Yeah, thank you. That that helps. Yeah, that's just, Isaac. you know, some awkward situation sometimes there, you know. This is Isaac from the other side of the pond as well, over in Wisconsin. <laughs> and I was curious if you guys had or had ever considered doing, like, a stock-only trip? Yeah, I would be absolutely uh, on board with that idea. You know, so that way people aren't feeling intimidated by people maybe that have more experience or more built vehicles around them. I think that's a good idea. Or appearance yep. experience where they've got a built Jeep and they maybe they don't have any experience, but they put a lot into it and they're just sure. as new as everybody else. Uh, but uh, it that's could true. be very intimidating. Very true. This is, <laughs> this yeah, is there's totally definitely an interest for that. Uh, we're absolutely on, on board with that idea. Most okay. of our trail rides are... Um, for stock vehicles, they, they they aren't necessarily um, you know, you don't have to have lockers and thirty sevens and and you know whatever to to participate in them. The two tracks in Michigan aren't that difficult to drive. If we host events, um, stay at a park or whatever, and uh, that have more difficult obstacles, then we might say you know your vehicle requirements need to be this or that. But um, generally, our our weekend adventures are are more family oriented and geared towards people who just have any four wheel drive vehicle. All this right. is Tony from Michigan. Actually, uh, that actually brings up a good point. Um, are your events primarily in the like open trails or like are the one on one events just uh, mostly at parks? Yeah. So if you're, are you familiar with Bundy Hill off road park? Yes, I am. 
near Jackson. So right now we're hosting our 101 and advanced classes at, at Bundy Hill near Jackson, Michigan, um, and Jerome. But uh, that's just because that's like a little over an hour from our house, so that's where we host those. And then most of our events, yeah, we're running the ORV routes up in Michigan, you know, crossing through Grayling, Gaylord, um, Atlanta, all that area up there. We basically, most of what we do is the lower peninsula upper half is where we run our trails. Um, we find that the trails connect a lot better in the lower peninsula from what we've seen. Oh yeah. I actually spend a lot of time basically in the same trails like St. Helen, Roscom and Grayling. So yep. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So we've kind of figured out a pretty cool route that we go from one side of the state to the other. Most of it's all on trails. It's turned out pretty cool. Very cool. Hey, Steve, from the uh, bottom of the pond outside of Chicago here. So where's yeah. your favorite place in Michigan to off-road? Ooh, I will say that my favorite park to off-road at is going to be Rocks in the Valleys. I just think they've done a really good job with their property. Um, but, man, a lot, you know, we started doing this 15 years ago. It was pretty much Silver Lake or the Badlands in Indiana. And um, I love every park that we've had, and I support all of them because it's so nice to have things close by. But um, we like to rock crawl, so I, I, you know, I like the parks for the harder stuff. But, man, I just like traveling across the state and for me the the grailing area is just has some of the best trails because they have some hills and things like that that you traverse which i really enjoy um so yeah. for me i'm gonna say grailing as far as an area so now for the parks that are private do you need the michigan off-road vehicle permit or no nope no no permit needed there most of them require a flag just like silver lake sand dunes does Oh. You do. You are required to have the parks permit, um, well, yeah. ORB permit for Holly Oaks Park. Yeah, that's the only one. Oh, that's the only are. one. It's and um, Lake. yeah, in Silver and Lake because the they're ran by the DNR. And the mounds. Oh yes. yes oh yes. okay. Forgot about the mounds. So oh, I've never actually been to the mounds. So what you're saying is, just get it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, so. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. like thirty six dollars, yeah. but it'll save you a big ticket. Yeah, that's the yeah, argument. No, no, I heard, and it goes towards the trails, so just get it. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, you don't understand, sir. I heard on the Jeep Talk Show. I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll let you know real fast. Don't worry. Yeah, I guess my oh, favorite yeah. terrain. I guess is what I'm looking for. Is I'm very much a forest kind of person, going through the woods, yeah. changing scenery. I'm not. I like to. It, not exactly overland, but not sit there at the park and go in circles. Sometimes you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. Right. Adventure. Oh, yeah, we, we love the grilling, the, the base. But we run a snow event um, called Snowway Dude that we do on the base there. We get permission from the Army and also from the DNR in the area to do that event. Um, all our cool. permits and stuff. But that that's just my favorite. It's gorgeous during the winter. It's, it's gorgeous during the uh, summer. We just went last past weekend and we're riding there. Wow, that's up there. Yeah, you pretty much have to travel three hours into Michigan to get to any good trails. Cool. Thank um, you. Probably closer for you to go more towards the west side of the state, which there's uh, the National Forest over there, which that that is a really, really good area. The trails are groomed very, very well over there, too. You're talking to her Manistee? Yes. Okay. Have you spent any time there? No, not yet. I haven't, I haven't played around in Michigan. I'm down Badlands, uh, Redbird, Inner Lake down here in Indiana, and then up in Wisconsin, so... Yeah, if you get on like an Onyx or something along those lines, you can see all the trails up there um, in the National Forest, and you could spend a long weekend running there and just 
I don't know, just explore around. And like I say, all those trails are groomed very well. They're not overgrown. Um, and there's some beautiful spots in those, that, uh, that forest. There's actually an old, uh, fire tower there too. There's only a few of those still standing in the state of Michigan. One of them is there. Well, to make sure not to burn it down. Uh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's right I, in the I've been name. on a quest to find the standing ones, and so we just, uh, two weeks ago, we found one of them there. That's the kind of stuff I like finding, right? Yeah. So, so on Onyx, they have them all marked, but a lot of times, nine times out of ten, you get there, and it's no longer standing. That's the one outside Misik you're talking about? Um, is that right? Let me look real quick. Looking at my map, I know that's that's the only one I've been to. Is the one outside uh, Mesick and the Manistee National. Got it, Mark. And Paul, you mentioned Onyx. I think you're talking about the mapping, uh, the the uh, mapping software that you can run on your uh, on your phone, trail mapping software. Um, have you yeah. uh, the, the the Zoom people here and people on our Discord server introduced me to the Gaia app? Uh, do you uh, have you used that one? I mean, I knew about Onyx before I knew about Gaia. Very briefly, when we were going into things, we looked at Onyx and we looked at Gaia at the same time. And for me, the Onyx was just a lot simpler to comprehend. Gaia, I'm sure, is probably great, especially if you're a hiking background. You're probably going to really love that. Um, but it kind of almost had too many layers at first, which I'm sure in the long run probably works out to be better. But we're just so used to using our Onyx now. Sure. Yeah, sure. we just really appreciate the simplicity of being able to. Um, the way the Onyx app functions. And that, that fire tower is called the Udell Lookout Tower. I do believe that is the one. Cool. That's yeah, a great uh, view Right off of 55. <laughs> and these, uh, these lookout fire towers, they're just uh, wooden structures that are really tall and open air. They're not, they're not uh, glassed in or anything, right? Yeah, a lot of them like this there's a few that you can still go up into this one you can't it's a metal structure with wood stairs going up and they've actually oh. taken off the bottom two sections of stairs so you can't even try to go up in it anymore i just got some placards and stuff and it's, it stands about 100 feet high just something just something neat to go look at it sounds I like, like the history of them yeah it sounds like my dream house uh, being out in the middle of the woods yeah sitting up really high but you know just uh, kind of a, a lookout tower where you just own the computer and you can look out and oh there's that bear I, i've seen there's charlie you know <laughs> how do you go to the bathroom though uh you just have a drill a hole on the side yeah <laughs> which uh num number two it requires a lot of uh, a lot of beans and great aim <laughs> oh good god <laughs> i thought we were gonna go a whole episode with tony no being good. no 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 <laughs> we have standards here on the show that we have to adhere to <laughs> you know thinking about it it was red bridge that i went to all right, I'm going to look this up. But it's another lookout tower. I do believe it was Red Bridge, because that is the one that is right outside Mesick. And Tony, can you drive to this thing, or do you have to hike to it? Uh, it is the, the, part of the forest roads, but once you get to a point, you have to park and hike. Oh, yeah, man, that's Yeah, the one you down, you <laughs> that's what you I'm drive thinking. almost right up to, maybe 50 feet. <laughs> That's why we drive Jeeps, people. <laughs> uh, okay, 50 feet is doable. Okay, legally. Can you legally drive to the to the tower, not just on your own? Because I'm sure on your own is uh, is not appreciated by certain uh, certain yeah. individuals, government individuals. <laughs> you know, fire tower, you can get about 50 
feet or 50 yards from. So that's not too bad. Not too bad of a hike. Nah, you can crawl over there if you have to, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I, found, I found the red bridge on my map. So. Hey, this is uh, John again. You mentioned as well that you did a, uh, you do the vehicle basics course. Um, kind of probably yeah. teaching chassis lubrication and stuff like that. Um, anything, anything cool from that? Like where someone didn't know or, or you learned something or anything like that, um, as you were going through that process. Hmm. Or what I would say what, there's not a ton of feedback on that portion. I think people are maybe reluctant to say whether they know or don't know things just cause they don't want to sound uneducated. I would think, I don't know, but yeah, there's not really too much feedback. Like uh, they mentioned at the beginning of the show, we do a woman's garage day though here at our house, um, out of our shop, and that's that. That's really where we've had a lot of good feedback. Um, the ladies that come out, they really love learning the basics. So that all kind of stems from years ago. You know, me being a mechanic and Carrie, seven eight years ago, wanting to get in the garage with me, and then she wanted to kind of pass that information along to all her girlfriends, and it's it's had really really good feedback the girls really appreciate it and you know it's kind of neat to see you know two weeks later you're seeing the girls posting pictures of them putting their own bumpers on their jeep or something along those lines because they've gained that confidence level so that i really like that you extend it to the trails like you know here's the garage maintenance but you know here's a couple of uh quick trail fixes and stuff like that when you're out there about you know what kind of tools to carry and kind of what kind of emergency fluid and stuff like that for sure Go ahead if you want. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely, that's one other thing that we do cover is one section is we talk about tools. And I tell people, if you're not mechanical and you don't work on your own vehicle, if you do, then you kind of know the, you know, most control arms on a JK are 21 millimeter, you know, or your hub is going to be a 36 millimeter. I tell people that if you don't know that, then go, don't be afraid to go to your mechanic when you're putting your toolkit together and say, what are some specialty tools that my vehicle might take? You know, if you got an old TJ and you have need, you know, Torx bits, you know, that kind of thing. Your average tool kit you buy off of Amazon is going to have those things, you know. So we talk about, you know, knowing your vehicle is my always the thing that I stress. Know your vehicle. If you have air lockers, you know, extra chunk of airline, things like that. So it's all about the key is to know your vehicle and make sure you ask your mechanic if you don't know, hey, what are some specialty tools or things that might not be in a standard toolkit that I should add to mine, you know? Yeah, because if you, I mean, even if you don't know how to work on your vehicle and you're out on the trail with a bunch of people, if you don't have the proper tools uh, to work on your own vehicle, then nobody's going to be able to help you at all. So, uh, yeah, yeah, don't depend on, don't <laughs> depend on other people to bring the tools that you need. Correct. Right. But there are people yeah. willing to help you and they love helping oh, other people. It's yeah, like, Absolutely. That's the part of the joy of going out there. Is there anything out there that people have found that they've needed that's maybe unique to their vehicle or a toolkit? Is that conversation you've kind of always carry with you? I think my the my Wrangler, um, I hit my steering stabilizer and found out that I needed an an 18, I think it's the 18 millimeter that doesn't come in a standard kit. I think it was either the 18 or 19, but a, my, my a, Jeep needed that. And a BFH, right? Yes, yes. The first time I, I broke my Jeep. So, yes, I Real one welder. of the hand. A so rail welder? Trail. <laughs> so, this is Larry from St. Louis again. So, 
out of all the classes you guys teach, I'm sure you get good attendance, but is there any of them you've found that are that book up quicker than others that you have a better response to or um, we tend to keep our um our class uh limits really low because we want everything to be very hands on. So our max number of vehicles for class is around six or seven. Um, and then a driver is welcome to bring a passenger with them. Um, but everything in our class is very hands-on, and we want everyone to feel like they have the information um, at the end of the day that they came to learn. So, um, yeah, so we try really try to not overwhelm ourselves. So, Steve, again, I didn't hear Tony ask the most important question of all. What color Jeep do no. you have? <laughs> you guys need a you guys need a red only class. Not that the red Jeeps need more training, but just yes, so it'll do. be pretty. They do. <laughs> uh, so we have a red Jeep and we have oh. a blue Jeep. <laughs> oh, okay. Redemption. I can hear the dings. <laughs> the only reason we have a red Jeep is because I was looking for a JKU with a blown motor, and this was six years ago. And the only one I could find was this one I actually bought out of Chicago, uh, Chicago area anyway. And uh, so we bought it to do an LS swap, and so I was looking for one that had a motor out of it already. And um, I really, I'll tell you, my favorite, though, is blue, and I love, like, the elephant gray. Someone's got some back on Nice. Elephant gray. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know. It's, it's probably slate gray is maybe the better way to put it. That's what, uh, that's what my renegade is, actually, that slate gray. And Paul, never it. apologize for red. You don't have to, even if it makes all the <laughs> other Jeepers feel bad that you have red and they don't. <laughs> it's, it's not that I dislike it, but it's definitely not my favorite. Oh, yeah. I love that gray color, too. I love the, all that the colors except the red. Is awesome. The important part, the, the important color for a Jeep is that it's a Jeep. Uh, I'll just let us leave that right there. I mean, get a Jeep. They all end up covered in mud anyway, right? That's right. Absolutely. So they all end up being black. Right. But we have to right. we wash them occasionally, right. Tammy. You wash them and have mud still falling on you two months later when you're <laughs> yes, doing something underneath. Uh, you know, <laughs> mud's a lot of fun, but the cleanup is rough. God, yes it is. Yeah, Paul, so how do you ever like sand dunes? You'll know it years later. Yep. So, is it annoying when people bring their vehicles in and they don't clean them off and you're under there getting mud in your eyes or dirt? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the funny part is a lot of people say, oh, I cleaned it for you, and you get underneath it, you're like, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I you clean the, the outside. It seems the, like every yeah. time I have a dentist appointment, I eat popcorn the day before, so I, I can I can <laughs> right. I understand that uh, that analogy very well. <laughs> Why did I eat popcorn? Dennis, the dentist goes, "So you had popcorn recently, hey?" <laughs> so have you guys wheeled outside of Michigan? Oh, I mean, I know you did the Rebel Rally, but have you guys wheeled outside of Michigan? Oh yeah, like we we love love Tennessee. That's probably my favorite. We're about ready uh, to finally go out to Moab for the first time in about a month from now. Actually, only three weeks. Oh, you're gonna um, love it. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I, I do. I'll still. I'm I'm going out to just prove that East Coast wheeling is harder than out west. That's my whole point of going. <laughs> oh, Moab's 
Well, some of the Moab trails are hard, but you need to go down to Kingman, Arizona. That is okay. some tough, tough trails. You get with um, Rocks and Wheels on Facebook. Those trails, it's like one big mile-long obstacle because you're in the wash and the, the creek beds and waterfalls. Yeah. And awesome. Do you know what trails you're doing um, at Moab? Yeah, we do. Um I don't know them offhand. Probably going to look them up really quick. We've also we've done a little wheeling in Colorado. We've done um, Missouri, Tennessee, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, so were you at Roush Creek, Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania? Were you guys were you guys in Roush Creek in Pennsylvania? Yeah, we did Roush Creek in AOAA. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't have nearly as much time as we wanted to there, but, um, and hopefully we'll get back. You know, yeah, it's a- hard though. AOA is, <laughs> is huge. Yeah, I love Rush Yeah, Creek. it is. And it's, um, why do the parks close at 5 p.m.? It's just a East Coast thing, I guess. Yeah, there's no night wheeling at all. Yeah, I know. That's like so crazy to us. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, we drove all this way to get here and you only give us a half day to wheel? <laughs> I think in the summer, they may be open longer because of the daylight hours. But yeah, they, they don't wheel. They Every once in a while, they'll have a night run. But typically, there's... Yeah, they don't wheel at night. So, do the, the night wheeling, is that something that you guys do training on? Or is that uh, is it just daytime training that you do? Um, yeah, we just do daytime training. But I mean, night, night wheeling isn't much different than daytime. You just got to be aware of your surroundings. Do y'all teach a spotter-specific, uh, I heard you talking about spotters earlier, but do y'all have like a spotter-specific class where you're teaching, um, you know, not just how to spot, but if you're driving, spotter safety, you know, kind of, you know, what to look for when you're doing, you know, if the spotter's right here, make sure you're not moving forward, you know, just so you don't run over the spotter or, or do something dangerous. Do y'all, do y'all cover that at all? Yeah, we cover that a little bit. Um, I, I'm, our spotting isn't extreme spotting by any means it's um again it's very controlled and it's just giving people the basics getting them used to um you know using basic hand signals and what to look for in a vehicle my main focus when i'm teaching spotting i mean we i do talk about so one of the things we have them do is spot another vehicle over an obstacle and so we do talk about yeah uh foot placement making sure as you're backing up not tripping falling you know being around your aware of your surroundings but but my big thing with spotting is that my big focus is always clear communication you know we're not using left and right we're using driver passenger we're not saying move forward a little bit you know a little bit could mean two different things to different people so we want to be specific you know we're talking we want you to move forward a foot you know, and as you move forward, cut passenger, and then as soon as you get there, we're going to have you stop and straighten out. You know, you need to be very specific, and I tell people, you can't say what you want to communicate enough times. Say it over and over and over. Yeah, and I was thinking, because I've watched a few videos that came out of Easter Jeep Safari, which were like oh yeah, prime examples of how not to spot. I think everybody saw <laughs> the one where the guy tried to stop it from rolling over by running up and grabbing the rear tire real quick and got knocked down. I don't know if you saw that one or not. Right now, um, yeah, he looked that was bad. Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, we have to tell people you don't go grabbing for a vehicle that's... (laughs) Like, you're not going to stop 6,000 pounds, 6,500 pounds when it starts to go. Well, his heart was in the right place, and then it was in the wrong place after the Jeep hit it. (laughs) 
<laughs> but then the other one was uh rock stacking where there was a spotter he was kind of telling them to hold on to stack rocks and um kind of you know the problem with that is is then they eventually shoot or throw the rocks out from behind them when they're kind of coming up that shelf and so you know you've got yeah. people standing behind the spotter tells people to clear out you know be aware not just of you and where the jeep is but there's other people around and make sure they're not going to be hitting the head with a rock or something of course you can't be responsible for every idiot that wants to stand right behind a jeep while it's trying to jump up an obstacle but you know basics so is, is there has there been any very memorable i'll say breakdowns or trail repairs or anything you guys had to do while you were out that i'll say left a stain a little bit <laughs> not with the business side more with just friends you know the again our business we kind of cater towards people with less experience and maybe not hitting the super hard trails right away i do have plans on doing a for those that maybe have more experience i do have plans on doing an event called the big rig roundup is what i think i want to call it um where i do want to have guys I want to kind of do the opposite of what uh, Jeep Jamboree does, where they say you can only have up to a certain tire size. I'm going to say that you have to have a minimum of a certain tire size. So I do want to do that. But our main focus is more towards people that are, you know, our trails that we run in Michigan, are they're very mild, you know. So our brakes have more been a lot of times out rock crawling with our buddies. And, you know, I think a lot of people, we've had uh, the old TJC clip axles. We've done the log with two ratchet straps attached to the outside of that tire and used WD-40 to hold that tire up in place. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that know what I'm talking about when I say that. Flintstone mobile. I've seen it without a tire wheel and a, a log being used as yeah. a, a sled device. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Saskatchewan <laughs> ski. <laughs> what I'm talking about is you actually push the tire and axle back into place. Oh, the infamous Dana 35 issue. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The old C-clip axle. So yes. You, you break that axle shaft, that axle wants to keep walking out. So to keep it from walking out, you put a log running towards the front and the back of the vehicle, and then you run one strap in front of the tire going back to the axle and one strap behind the tire going back to, like, the bumper or the or the frame, excuse me. Right. And then uh, it just kind of holds that in. But you it rubs the tire, so you have to put some kind of WD-40 on it while you drive to keep it from blowing that tire out, so. That was one of the more interesting fixes we've done on the trail to get people back uh, to the trailer. We've had people replace the gears on the trail. Wow. Yeah, we've done that once. My goodness. I'm sure that they weren't set up totally properly, but it got them moving again. Yeah. Did they add a locker then? Or? <laughs> <laughs> While you're in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so in that case. <laughs> Definitely done off our share of axle shaft fixes and drive shaft fixes and, you know, the common things. You know, tires, I think, are definitely our most common thing. You get sidewall blowouts or, you know, pop tires from hitting a wall trying to make an obstacle. I think the most problems we've ever had on our women's trip is we've had, um, we had a girl lose her steering stabilizer a few years ago when we were at Wind Rock, and it um, limited her steering, you know, turning in one direction. So we just removed the stabilizer, and then she was able to turn. You know, if she so we've had some tire repairs that we've had to do, but other than that, we've been pretty, um, you know, pretty blessed as far as trail repairs go on our women's trips. You know, if she was a UPS delivery driver, it would uh, she wouldn't have ever even noticed it. <laughs> that was my first um, 
trail damage was my steering stabilizer and I freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, I can't turn. I can't turn. And all the guys are like, calm down. We're just going to take it off. I'm like, no, you can't take it off. And they're like, yes, you can. You yeah. can drive without it. And I'm like, I did not know. Well, especially off-road, you're going low speed, and you really don't right. need that, yeah. uh, that, that's, that's, uh, dampening yeah. thing. So, uh, and when we got back yeah. to the tr- the parking lot, they just put it back on and readjusted it, and I was good to drive back home. So Yeah. Have you moved that yeah, up? She had uh, a little Tammy? bit of a panic moment because we were coming down, um, you know, the paved road that runs through the middle of Wind Rock there past the store, the one that goes up the mountain and then back down. Right. Yeah, so we were coming down that at the end of the day, and it was raining, and so it was a little bit slick. And she, slick, right. You know, we're weaving back and forth down that hill, and all of a sudden she loses her hearing. So it was Oops. a little bit of a panic moment there. Yeah, Tony, I have, um, I've got one that sits above. Yeah, that's a, I, I need to do that with the gladiator. So, so trail repairs, I have a, I'll plug my TikTok. I discovered also there's a TikTok, but there's a flop video on there from about two months ago. We were out with some friends. Guy put his Jeep on its side, but, you know, in that case, you're pulling spark plugs and checking all the fluids and trying to get it back running again. So that that's always the hardest trail repairs when somebody flops your vehicle. You're sitting there for two hours getting it ready to go back down the trail again. So when you do have a flop, I understand the the oil getting into uh, potentially getting into the cylinders. Do you have any problems with uh, uh, the uh, the coolant uh, system? Uh, maybe draining out, causing uh, an over potential overheat when you're trying to get it back to. Uh, I mean, how much? How many fluids do you need to take? I guess you don't plan for a flop, but you kind of. I guess the terrain and what you're going to be doing kind of gives you an indication if you needed to take those extra fluids. Yeah, I mean, at least carrying a couple of gallons of water, they can come in handy for a lot of use, uses. You know, you can always put that in your coolant system, but it also can be used for many other things, even if it's, you know, somebody's windshield. We've had windshield wiper motors take a crap on the trail, and you have to, you know, use water to try to clean them off. So that'll come in handy for a lot of different purposes. But in in this case, we had to add, I think, a couple of quarts of trans fluid, power steering fluid, oil, and, uh, again, we pulled spark plugs and started that motor over to you know, cranked it over to get the oil out of Did you get oil out of it when you were cranking it over? Was the oil shooting out of it, or was it just a, a precautionary? Bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then once we finally did get it started, it smoked for probably 20 seconds. Got yeah. the mosquitoes away. So I was going to say, got rid of the mosquitoes. We're, we're exactly on the same <laughs> thought process here. So, uh, but... That's an expensive fog machine. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Paul, tell people why that you, you don't want oil. Because, you know, you figure the oil gets in the cylinders anyway, but why don't, why don't you want the oil after a flop? Yeah, if there's enough oil in there, you could technically hydrolock the motor. That piston tries shooting up, it could uh, detonate that motor and break a rod. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, I think many of you do, uh, but just on the outside chance that you don't, uh, hydraulics is what uh, all the the major machines use to pick things up because a fluid can't be compressed, or it can't be compressed much. And uh, when you start compressing liquids with pistons, they are not designed to do that. And like uh, Paul just said, you bend a rod, you can uh, uh, pop a a rod (laughs) out the side of a block doing something like that. Right, that's a real bad day. Yes. No amount of JB well, we'll fix it. So if there's if there's one tool you, you run across that most people need but never bring on a trail, what would that be? Ooh, I can tell you that the tool right. I've found to be the most handy, maybe would be the one I can think of. Is I have uh, 
cordless impact. So I have a Milwaukee cordless impact the brand I favor, but that just makes those trail repairs so much faster and saves a lot of headache. Yeah. It's going to be a long time fixing yeah. on the trail anyway. So anything you can do to speed up the process, I'm sure is great. That Milwaukee yeah, uh, is a beast. Yes, it is. It's amazing. I've set up gear sets and done crush sleeves and just use that impact to crush them. That's, I mean, that's three, over 300 foot pounds. Cordless drill, yeah, I've got a buddy who brings his along, and that's, you know, if one person in your group has that, you're you're good to go. <laughs> They're your best friend. Absolutely. It's like having a friend with a, tr- a pickup truck when you need to move. Uh, he becomes your best friend. He or she becomes your best friend. All right, Paul, yeah, Carrie, you know how the kids yeah. love the social media these days. You made mention of uh, your Instagram, I think, earlier, or maybe it was TikTok. Uh, where can people find you guys uh, online on the social media? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all Discover 4X4 Adventures. We also have a website, discover4x4adventures.com. Would the uh, the website be the best way to go and look and see, maybe schedule uh, or reach out and, uh, as, uh, for people that are interested in taking some of your courses uh, or going off uh, on some of your off-road events? Would the, uh, uh, the, the, the website be the best place to go for that? Absolutely. Um, we have a tab on our website page for for guided trips and um, tickets for that can be purchased in the shop. And then if you go to our Facebook page under our events tabs, you can find our events there. And then that links you right back to the ticket purchase. Okay. Purchases. So, so got you on Facebook. Uh, did you, uh, did you also say Instagram? Yep. We're on Instagram. How about the TikTok? Are you, are you there with the, uh, the 15 year old yet? Yes, we are new to TikTok. <laughs> Polly takes care of that. Um, There's a, most of our social media, honestly. I don't, I'm not a big fan of social media. <laughs> oh, but you got to do it these days. That's where everybody I is. Know. Yeah. I know. It just takes it's so much time. It's unnecessary And then you do it, and then, like, something goes wrong, and it gets deleted, and you have to start all over again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know what you're posting. That My, my account hasn't been deleted yet. <laughs> <laughs> We know it sells. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. So, Paul, Carrie, thank you for joining us tonight. It was uh, great having you, the listener, Paul and Carrie from Discover4x4Adventures dot com here tonight. Next week, we will have uh, the world famous, uh, or famous without a T, Mister Vanderquack. Uh, this will be on episode six twenty. And if you'd like to join our Zoom meeting and speak with Mister Vanderquack, somebody's going to—I know somebody's going to go quack quack well, on the on the Zoom room. <laughs> Next week, you just watch and see. Uh, but you can go. It'll over- be you, Tony. <laughs> It'll be well. There's I got a turkey thing. <laughs> I need to find a duck thing. So, <laughs> so you can just go over to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get all the information you need to join our next Tuesday 8 p.m. Uh, roundtable uh, recording. So it comes central time. Yeah, central time. It's Tuesday 8 p.m. is when we record it, and then it comes out Wednesday. So that's uh, one of our four episodes a week. Uh, Paul, Carrie, anything you want to add before we get the hell out of here? Are you are you uh, happy that you made it through the uh, the gauntlet? We are happy. We really enjoy doing these. Uh, it's a lot of fun for us. You know, we're all about the uh, off-road life, so we chat about it. It's awesome. Oh, God, if you can do it and talk about it, that's a full day. Yes. That's <laughs> a good day. Yeah, thank you guys so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. We appreciate we you guys. Appreciate it. Podcasting since 2010.